This reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 20. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He'll be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And that same chapter from verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel said to her, went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Good morning. Can you believe it's uh, three weeks till Christmas? Whew. <laughs> I was just thinking when Michelle asked us all about the uh, Advent uh, calendars, <coughs> and if some of you perhaps have... Uh, have received any Advent calendars that contain larger gifts. Uh, I remember a, a week or two ago, before, just before Advent, in, in a shop, I won't tell you where it is, um, <coughs> there was a, an enormous Advent cal calendar that had a beer for every day of um, 
the advent before Christmas, the 24 of the best of British beers, you know, and uh, I was sort of nudging Anya, my wife, and saying, well, what do you think? <laughs> I can just imagine, though, um, the frown on Zechariah's face, you know, as, as he hears from an angel that his son is not allowed to touch any fermented drink. He's like, well, there goes that advent calendar. I guess that's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't know if, <coughs> if any of you have had a chance to, to walk down to the city center yet and see the, uh, the great Birmingham German Christmas market that's, that's overflowing with people. We went there yesterday. And uh, I tell you, every year I say, I don't think I'm going to come back to this again because it's just, you know, you're trying to squeeze through the crowds and push your way and it's almost impossible to, to look at the stalls and and uh, everyone sort of, uh, we were with a group besides our family of uh, three other people. So there were eight of us going down there. Everyone wants to go and see this or see that. And then, you know, you spend about 10 minutes trying to find, okay, where's, where's Nathaniel? Where's, where's Anya? Where's so-and-so? Uh, <coughs> you, you lose people in the crowd. And, and finally, um, you settle on something that's very not German. Okay, everybody wants to get bubble tea now to drink. So... <laughs> That's very un-Christmassy and, and not German, but uh, oh well, okay, never mind. We're down at the city center. Let's, let's have some bubble tea together. And, you know, you get some signs in shop windows and on the street corners and uh, these signs with believe. Have you seen any of these around town? Uh, Christmas cards as well have them or uh, even people with T-shirts there. Don't stop believing. You know, it's what do they want us to believe in? What do these ads want us to put our belief in um we're going to get lots of goodies this christmas uh, santa's going to visit us on christmas eve um loved ones are going to be reunited again over a sumptuous dinner and warm crackling fire snow falling uh, nathaniel our, our youngest he desperately wants to believe there will be snow this christmas haven't had it for ages. Snow, let there be snow. And he just tries to press it out, you know, believe. I just have to believe harder. Is it maybe a nice sparkling Christmas tree or peace on earth, goodwill to man? What are these ads trying to get us to believe in, if not some commercial advantage or an appeal to consumerism and materialism? And um, we're just, we're sort of bombarded during this season of, of, of groups, people trying to guess to believe in something. But, but what actually should we believe in? Every year, um, there's a kind of a family tradition that we buy a board game. Who likes board games here? Yeah, you like playing board games. Those can get pretty rough sometimes, especially depending on the people you're playing it with. Um, I tell you, with my brother, he lives in, in uh, Victoria, British Columbia in Canada. Um, we used to have some real almost punch-ups during our, or after our board games. Uh, tears were shed at times. Um, but, uh, but we have kind of a tradition now that every year we will, uh, we will buy a board game for each other, for the family. So they send us a board game, we send them a board game. I was trying to figure out what sort of a board game to get them this year. And looking on the internet, looking on Amazon, and um, I came across this, this interesting board game, um, Santa versus Jesus. Now, this is, uh, this is a, a board game that's just, just uh, arrived this year. It was apparently uh, crowdfunded in 48 hours, and it's, it's the hottest 
ticket this year for, you know, getting the family together. Basically, the, what the premise of the game is, you've got two teams, and uh, each, each team has uh, up to eight players, I think, and um, you, you need personas for your players. So there's, there's uh, the team Santa, and so there'll be people like Mrs. Claus and Santa and Rudolph and Vixen and and others there, Elf. And then there's the team Jesus, and you've got Jesus, and there's Mary, and there's Frankincense, one of the wise men, and there's Gold, Mr. Golden Donkey, and all sorts. Uh, you're supposed to actually um, not use the people's proper names, but use those names during the whole game. Uh, if you don't use their names, then you lose believer cards. So the object is to gain believer cards. And uh, you do this by, by certain challenges that are set up for you uh, that you give to the other team. And if they complete the challenge in record time, then they get believer cards. And then the, the one, the, the team with the most believer cards at the end is the winner. So <coughs> there we have, again, there's, you know, there's something that's, that's vying for our belief. Come on, believe in us, believe in us. And I'm, I'm not saying that you should go out and buy this game now, but um, it, it has been tempting. I don't know. I, I thought about it for my brother, but in the end, I thought he's a little maybe too conservative for a game like that. So <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> you know, Christmas, though, is a, is a time when both young and old are, well, we're stretched in our beliefs, aren't we? I think, you know, is there someone perhaps... Um, you're thinking, who's going to get me that gift that, that I've always wanted, you know, that gift that I've dreamed of, the, the latest gadget, the um, iPhone 7, for example, hint, hint, or some toy that you've been thinking about recently. This morning, I'd, I'd like to look at, um, at three people who were challenged in their beliefs. They were challenged in their beliefs and their expectations as well. Now, we've, we've read a little bit about them already. Zechariah is one of them. Mary is the other, and there's someone else uh, who we didn't read about just yet, but um, we will later on, and his name is Theophilus, and we'll meet him later on, but Theophilus is kind of all of us in this. Now, I've often thought that it's, it's kind of unfair that, um, that Gabriel would uh, strike Zechariah mute, but not Mary. I mean, come on. Didn't, didn't Mary also question the message of the angel? I mean, just because she's a little teenage girl, shouldn't she also be <laughs> struck mute? You know, maybe it would have helped her father a little bit if she didn't talk too much. I don't know. It's, but, but some have said, oh, come on, Mary was a girl. She was a teenage girl. Zechariah was a priest in the temple. He was very likely a respected rabbi. He should have known better. That's possible. But you know, when we look a bit deeper at the kind of questions asked by each, we find that each asked a very different question to the angel Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel's visit to Zechariah and Mary are meant to correspond to each other. And there you see it on the, the screen. You've got um, Gabriel beginning with a uh, uh, similar reassurance to both of them. Do not be afraid. To Zechariah, he says, your prayer has been heard. To Mary, he says, you've found favor with God. To Zechariah, he says, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. To Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son. To Zechariah, Gabriel says, and you are to call him John. To Mary, he says, you are to call him Jesus. 
to Zechariah, Gabriel says, He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. To Mary, he says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now let's take a look for a minute at their responses. How do they respond to this? Well, Zechariah says, how can I be sure of this? Or literally, if you look at the Greek translation, he says, by what will I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. But Mary's response is very different. She says, how will this be? I'm a virgin. Now, when you examine these two questions in light of what's being asked, you find out that they are fundamentally very different. Zechariah wants to know by what authority Gabriel can, can tell him this news. He is challenged in his belief that God can take an elderly couple and, like with Abraham and Sarah of old, actually give them a son. Hmm. Zechariah should have known that story. Zechariah's name actually means Yahweh remembers. And his wife, Elisheva, or Elizabeth as we know her by, her name means God's promise. So that's why Gabriel's response is to remind him of whose authority he represents. He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent by God. God remembers his promises he makes. He never forgets. Now, the messenger here, Gabriel, is also very important. And Jewish readers and those who were informed in the, the Old Testament, they would have known full well who this mysterious angel Gabriel is. Gabriel is the very same angel that visits Daniel. Remember Daniel? Daniel in the lion's den? Well, after Daniel's frightening experience in the lion's den, after Daniel has, uh, has also had these amazing prophetic apocalyptic visions, you know, death and destruction, the earth and antichrist and, and whatnot, all these things happening, um, he, he gets this visit from Gabriel. And Gabriel is just this amazing figure of light that God has sent. And it's, um, it's interesting to note that, that Daniel's meeting with Gabriel ends with Daniel, we read in Daniel chapter 10, being struck mute. He says, ah, I was left speechless. For a while I could not talk, says Daniel. And here he is again visiting Zechariah. And Zechariah now is unwilling to believe that God is about to fulfill the promises that he made those centuries before. Now, the Old Testament is full of prophecies about the advent of the Messiah, the coming of the Christ. The real question is, though, would Israel be ready for him when he comes? So Zechariah's statement also reeks of unbelief and questioning authority. Zechariah has become quite used to the status quo. 
there seems to be almost an unwillingness in him to, to participate in the plans that God has, has made as a response to the very prayers offered by those who want to see this change. In a similar way, Jesus, later on in life, he would also be questioned by the Pharisees. In Luke 20, they would say, By what authority do you do these things? How shall we know these things are true, what you're saying? Clearing the temple of merchants? Healing the sick on the Sabbath? Releasing the demon possessed on a day of rest? Pardoning a woman caught in adultery? Forgiving the sins of, of the lame and crippled? You know, so many Jews, so many Israelites had prayed for these very things. They wanted to see the sick healed. They wanted freedom from oppression. They wanted, they desperately wanted forgiveness of sins, lasting forgiveness of sins, and unhindered worship of Yahweh. But when it actually came to a realization of it, to participating in God's plan, God's way, they actually wanted nothing to do with it. They did not believe. Zechariah did not believe. I want Messiah to come, but yes, it's true, I've been praying it for many years now, but I'm actually quite happy the way things are at the moment. I've got this great job here in the temple. Uh, you know, I get nice lamb steaks from the sacrifices that are done here, and they're pretty good especially if you've got the right seasoning. Or maybe, you know, we should put a bit more of a contemporary spin on it, a perspective. Yes, I want my church to grow, but oh, not if I have to do a lot of work for it. Uh, missions, yeah, it's important. Um, as long as I don't need to get too involved in that sort of thing. You know, I'd love to see real change take place in my own life, but... I just don't believe it can happen anymore. And maybe some of you have even used Zechariah's own excuse as well. I'm too old for this. God's judgment on Zechariah through Gabriel is this. And now you will be silent, not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So let me ask this morning, what will God's judgment be on us if we are not willing to believe in the change, the growth that God has planned for our lives, for our community, for our church? Uh, what a contrast we, contrast we find in, uh, in Mary. Look at Mary's response. She says, how will this be? Not how is this possible, not, how can I be sure you're telling me the truth? This is a question that asks how she can be part of this amazing plan of God's. There's no doubt. There's no apprehension. Just this childlike belief, curiosity, and a desire to know how she will have the honor in participating in this great plan. And that's why later on, when she meets up with Elizabeth, her cousin, Elizabeth can proclaim, can shout out, can sing out, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill His promises to her. 
Mary is blessed because she believes it. Now, I, can, I can remember when I was uh, 12 years old uh, at a missions conference there where uh, this fellow, people know him as Brother Andrew. He's a, he's a guy that, that used to smuggle Bibles behind the Iron Curtain behind, to communist countries. And he, his, he and his organization are still doing amazing work in, uh, in places where the church is persecuted today. And uh, I, I don't remember exactly what, what he said. And, and um, it was this uh, youth conference that I was at. But I was 12 years old. And I, just, I can remember God speaking to my heart and saying, Marcus, you're going to go to some of those places where, you know, there isn't a church at the moment. You're going to go to some of those places where people need to hear about Jesus. And I didn't know how I was going to do that. 12 years old. You know, I'd been raised on, on amazing stories of, you know, missionary doctors like David Livingston. And I thought, okay, maybe I need to go as a doctor. Um, but, oh, I hate the sight of blood. It makes me queasy. Um, okay, I can't go as a doctor. So, God, how are you going to send me? And just over time, God, God showed me how he was going to do this. You know, well, you can go as an English teacher. All right, let's do that. And then I met Anya, my wife, and, and um, she was planning to go as a, as a nurse. Oh, no, more blood. No, well, in the end, she didn't have to do uh, nursing over there. She also did teaching. She taught German. And, uh, and we went and spent 13 years in the Middle East. Um, but I have to tell you, you know, as you, as you grow older, this kind of this childlike faith, you, it does start to slip a bit, doesn't it? This, this belief, this strong belief you had when you were young. As you grow older and as you experience life, you can become cynical of things. And it's a challenge to my own life, to my own heart as well, to, to believe, to believe that, that God can still use me. Even today, I don't consider myself to be that old, <laughs> but I do believe He can still use me whatever my age is. And I believe that He can use you as well. That he has a plan for you, for your life also. There is one other person in this chapter we could almost overlook whose belief is challenged by a messenger as well. And for that, you have to, you have to turn back to the beginning of Luke, the very start, the very first chapter, first verse. And you're reading now from Dr. Luke, who's supposed to be the author of this book. If you didn't know who's the author of Luke. <laughs> he says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Underline that part. So that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Uh, what were those things Theophilus had been taught? Maybe Jesus is the Son of God, or we find redemption through His blood, or justification by faith in Christ. You know, sometimes those teachings, they can, they can seem almost a bit obscure and distant 
and for some of us maybe even a bit difficult to understand. You know, when children are, are told or, or taught something for the first time, they're, they're often quick to accept what they learn and to simply believe it. But soon, you know, their, their favorite question when they're young becomes that three-letter word that can drive some parents bonkers, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> you know, and they just continue asking, why? And every answer you give, there's another why. And perhaps Theophilus had some of these kind of questions as well as he listened to some of Paul's letters and those uh, epistles being read out in, in Rome or Ephesus or wherever he might have been. And so Dr. Luke wanted to write this account so Theophilus would know with certainty what he had been taught. Luke's gospel is going to challenge Theophilus in what he believes. Jesus is God's son? Well, show me what that looks like. We're justified by faith in Christ? Okay, I want to see the reality of that in my own life. A question for us today is, are you certain of what you have been taught? Are the truths of the Bible real in your life? Are they real in your heart during this hustle and bustle of Christmas preparations? Jesus paid the debt of my sin, but I've got a pretty huge debt on my credit card to pay off from that birthday of his we just celebrated. Or Jesus taught us to love our, our neighbor, but it's, it's pretty hard to do that when they make all that noise for their Christmas parties or they steal that last parking spot in the, the mall there or butt in the queue at the checkout stand. Somehow for some of us, Christmas time isn't really the time of year that we wait for in anticipation. For some of us, it's perhaps a time we wait for in dread. And it may even ultimately come down to, to us asking that big question, what is it I actually believe in? Can I really believe Jesus could bring real change into my life? These past eight weeks, we've been listening to some amazing sermons from Tim, Judy, and Andy. How the life of Jesus has affected the way we look at forgiveness, the way we look at women and children, health and education, leadership, democracy, reason and science, wealth and care. And I would challenge us today that um, if you're still not sure how Jesus changes the whole game, how Jesus changes your whole life, you do a couple of things. Read through Luke. Read through the Gospels this Christmas time. And experience again with Theophilus the certainty of who Jesus is. Go back to the podcasts even. Uh, on the Riverside uh, website. Uh, download some of those podcasts. Listen to them while you're um, licking envelopes of your Christmas cards you're going to send off or doing your Christmas shopping. But get back to finding out who Jesus is. Jesus famously had these words for a man who brought his epileptic son to him. 
Jesus said, everything is possible for the one who believes. You know what this man's response was? I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I think in all of us, in me I know, there is unbelief. And my prayer to Jesus is, help me overcome my unbelief. So that's a challenge for us. Read the accounts of Jesus' life in the Gospels this Christmas time. I believe it will give substance, it will, be, it will give certainty to the things that you have been taught. And ask Jesus to overcome our unbelief.